The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Hello, everybody. My name is Polly Hammond, and you are listening to Uncorked, the Italian wine podcast series about all things marketing and communication. Join me each week for candid conversations with experts from within and beyond the wine world as we explore what it takes to build a profitable business in today's constantly shifting environment. This week, we welcome Pablo Fernandez, recorded live at Wine to Wine 2022. Pablo will be no stranger to regular listeners of the show. He's a writer, educator, and Italian wine ambassador. The stories that bring people to wine are always inspiring, and Pablo's journey is one that so many of us can relate to. After over 15 years of corporate stress, he embraced his true love, wine, threw caution to the wind, and set out on an adventure that now sees him sharing his passion for Italian wines with his Brazilian homeland and beyond. Let's get into it. I'm so glad to have you here, Pablo. How are you doing today? Okay, Polly. Thanks for having me here. It's a, such an honor because, you know, I'm a fan of your podcast. Well, what I was going to say is you have always been one of like the big supporters from day one. And, um, and you know, we were just laughing about this in an earlier recording. When you start and you, I know you've started doing some podcasts too for the Italian Wine Podcast. Yes. It's hair raising. And so to have someone who like, you feel like they have your back. Uh, it's just been a godsend. So now I had an opportunity. I was I was given the opportunity to chat with you while we're here for Wine to Wine. Nice. And I was like, absolutely, I'm in. Thank you. Oh, no problem. It's uh, Actually, it's an honor. As I said, it's an honor. I'm really, really fan of your work. Always nice chats about marketing. I'm really into that world. And we can talk about that later because everyone wants to to work as a sommelier or at the end selling wine in the, in the the for the final consumer. But I really like this part of the strategy of the, how you can uh, work in a, in a more uh, it's a strategic way, in a way. So in your podcast, is really like these persons that are very... It's mostly us just being kooky and, and sharing odd <laughs> stories. Um, so, so you are here. You are speaking at the event. You, are, you have recently actually recorded... A podcast yeah. for the Italian Wine Podcast. Exactly. So you're one of us now. We've, yeah. we've unfolded you. How did you find that process? Was that the first podcast that you'd hosted, or have you done these before? Uh, no, it was the first one, especially in a language that I really is not my main language. So it's something that is a real, a real, real bit scary at the first. But it was an amazing because it was with a friend of mine, and it's a funny story because uh, Varvalioni. Uh, I, I was there during my sabbatical year, so it maybe a little bit of a sp sparked my 
my passion for 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 going in the wine industry you know right so it's uh it it was fun because we we can uh, do the 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 the, the the interview with uh, writing before the questions and then ask the guy and then he's, he's your friend. So it was a very comfortable place to be. So so my first podcast um, for this series was, was with Jane Anson. Oh, Jane is amazing. Gosh, she's amazing, but she's also sweet and generous, um, which I did the total noob first podcaster thing mm-hmm. where I forgot to hit record. And I was 10 minutes into it and I looked at her and I was like, Jane, I'm a dick. I actually forgot to hit record. We need to back up and do redo I'll that, remember that, that whole that yeah. whole first 10 minutes. And I, you know, just completely mortified because she's super professional. Right. Um, and and I do feel like that one of the things about any sort of communication, and, and maybe there's a lesson in this, is that a lot of what we're all doing right now, we are learning publicly. You know, yeah. like it it, it just it unfolds in front of Twitter and YouTube and, and Instagram. Um, we are very so. exposed now, nowadays. Uh, anything you write on the internet is there forever and maybe can piss off someone at the other side. So you never know what you're saying. So you, at, the, at, the, at one point, you have to be very careful about the words you put. But at the same time, it's good because you are reaching some audience that you would never dream of. 100%. So, yeah. um, so, so you mentioned the sabbatical. I actually just want to, I, I want to go way back to the beginning. Okay. Before you were an Italian wine ambassador, you were an engineer. Is yeah. that correct? Engineer, product or project manager. What kind of engineering? Oh yeah. Um, uh, it's a long story actually. I, I graduated in Brazil, 2004 in civil engineering. And then I, but I started to work in a software company. That, uh, yeah, they did software for uh, calculus, structural calculus. So, yeah, structure is a very boring uh, job. And then after four years there, I I started to think, no, this is not for me, maybe. Four years, okay. But we are, I think when we are in our 20s, we really don't know what we want. And we are really in Feels the same way in the 40s, just so you know, that, that never quite changes. And especially, um, uh, I'm, I was born in 1979. I'm a kind of generation next. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't feel like a millennial, you know? So it's, uh, we, we think in a different way, in a different pace. We, I, I think we, 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 we take uh, 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 our, our direction uh, slowly than this next generation that quickly changes everything. Like not Gen Z, but millennials. Millennials are very uncomfortable and then just go, you know? And us now, we are very attached to things. So uh, getting back to the subject, uh, in 2009, I, I was uh, pursuing to work with project management with big projects. So it was heavy construction, a big hydroelectric power plant in the Amazon. Ooh. I think at the time wow. was the biggest project in Brazil. It was like a, a $5 billion US dollars project. So it was like a master's, a doctorate. Wow. Everything from zero because I was changing career from a software company to a project management company. So it was totally different. I like it at first. I had to move from my city, which is Florianópolis, which is in the south of Brazil. I went to Belo Horizonte, which is close to Sao Paulo. It's a bigger city. Uh, And working at the Amazon, first time I was in the Amazon, which is... Was that Shocking incredible? Amazing. Yeah, incredible. 
It's a huge, huge, huge construction because it's a huge hydroelectric power plant in the middle of nowhere when you, where you have to build everything from zero. So it was a mind-blowing experience for real, like see those huge trees and now the, those problems, like 10,000 workers there. Wow. So for nothing, from a place that did nothing but the forest there. So, uh, and, but at the same time, this was a very stressful job that I took for maybe almost 10 years. And then after that, I started to work with wind farms, mostly renewable power plants. So uh, wind farms, solar power plants. So, but I was in the front as a, a contract general project manager on those contracts. So it was very stressful working 24 slash 7, mm. Sunday to Sunday, and uh, I wasn't sleeping well. And, I, and at the same time, I have a colleague from college that his father-in-law started a winery in my state. And then I started to drink wine, but just for leisure. So you leisure. weren't a wine drinker as you're, you know, as you're going no. from these sort of mid twenties no, to, no, to no, mid thirties. No wine drinking in my family. Okay. Can I just interrupt that to say, see, even if they're not drinking wine in their twenties, they do learn to love it. Exactly. <laughs> proof. Yeah. So you have a friend who, whose father starts a winery. Father-in-law, yeah. started father -in, -law. in a new brand new uh, region in Brazil. It's Santa Catarina, uh, uh, Vinhos de Altitude. And uh, I really fell in love for the region, but just drinking, not thinking in uh, remotely close to, to working with wine. So when you, I, I, I'm just... I'm so curious about this because I think it's always remarkable what we remember about our early experiences with mm -hmm. wine. When you fell in love with it and you fell in love with drinking wine, were you thinking about wine in the context that now you understand how we talk about, you know, flavor profiles and aroma and balance or, or were you thinking this tastes great with the food that I'm having, or this is a good social lubricant? Like, do you have, can you reflect on back then when you first were becoming a wine lover, what, what you sensed or what you, what you noted about the wine? I think uh, mostly was a social experience with your friends. So it's a very social drink. So being together and relaxing and having that moment with your close friends and sometimes friends that are not close that became close with you. So that's something that is very nice about wine at the first time when you start to drink yeah. because it's very social, which is something that the pandemic took off for a while mm. and they are regaining back this. But uh, definitely the social thing is very important at the beginning. I, I didn't pay too much uh, attention to flavors and aromas. It's just I'm there drinking. is a different thing because... Is different from the wine that you have in mind, especially in Brazil, because table wine dominates the market usually, and it's from uh, American grapes usually in Brazil. So Oof. it's different from the profiles that we have here in Europe. So, but uh, okay. So I'll come back to that when, when we yeah. talk about your your big wine brain. Um, now with the work that you're doing, but so going back to it, you're with friends, you're falling in love with wine, mm -hmm. you're still a project manager. Yeah. What changes? Well, it was a series of events. <laughs> it was back in 2017. I was in a vacation here in Europe. 
And then it happened an accident in one of my contracts. And a worker died in that accident. <gasps> and it was like a turnaround of events totally. Our client canceled the whole, all the contracts that they had with them. Uh, and then uh, we started to negotiate the, the exiting of the contracts to terminate them. It was very tough time. So I Hugely got very stressful. stressed and really was a burn, burning out situation in my mind, you know, because everything was getting in the wrong uh, direction. And I really started to think maybe this is not for me, you know. And I think that happens with everyone. In, well, in, I, I think it does. And that's yeah. actually the part of the story that I love is yeah. that, you know, we have we have within wine so many people who came into it as second careers because they did absolutely fall in love with it. But we also have so many people who have this love affair with wine mm -hmm. as this space of, you know, when I finish X, Y, or Z, you know, my, I dream of owning a winery or I, I would dream of being able to make wine. And so actually hearing someone who you were in a, you know, you had a good, steady, high power, yeah. stressful, but a day just came that you were like, I'm yeah. out, I'm yeah. done. And at the same time, this, this, this job, uh, uh, was uh, giving me the chance to travel around the world, especially at the beginning of the 2010s. Brazil had a very strong currency, so it was like $2 per one reais, so it was very easy to travel all around. I mm. used to travel three times a year, so I did a lot of traveling during that time. I split my, my vacations in three, three portions, like 10 days, 10 days, and 10 days. Right. So, but what happened at the same time, I was with high pressure, and mm -hmm. uh, like blood, blood sure. pressure, high blood pressure, sorry. And at the same time, I had a disease in the family. So oh, I started to rethink, I'm going to be sick doing this. I, I really gonna be, uh, this I'm gonna going to be some disease. Yeah, just going nowhere. I, 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 probably I will have a stroke with 45 years. I'm 43 years old. Yeah. So maybe I will not pass 50 doing that, that, that kind of a routine, you know? Mm. So uh, that problem in the family like lasts a year. My father died. And then, yeah, uh, I decided, no, I will quit for a year. And then at the end of 2018, luckily, not 19, right? Right. <laughs> I took the sabbatical in 19. So, but not thinking in wine as a work yet. Just thinking, get away, get away see the world. Travel around the world. So I decided to go to my favorite country, which is Italy. And so Italy had been your favorite country before yes, that. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. All right. So you, so you wind your way here to Italy yeah. on a year-long sabbatical? No, no. It was just six months. On a six-month sabbatical? Then I started to travel through Brazil at first. I took a coffee uh, a sensorial course in Sao Paulo. I oh, love coffee. Neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went to Argentina for a while. I love the meat there. And then to Chile to see one of my favorite bands that is from Bosnia. They were there for a festival, a wow. worldwide festival. Okay, I'm going traveling with you because <laughs> I would give up my wine to ensure that I could have coffee every day. I refuse to give up my meat. I'm sorry, all yeah. of the vegans in the room. And my dream in life has been 
to travel the major music festivals around the world and do like all the WOMADs and Glastonbury and, you know, all of those. So you and I would be good travel buddies. Yeah. So, um, and the wine certainly helps. So Italy though, but tell me, so you'd always loved Italy. Yes. And you mentioned earlier that um, some of your, you know, recent experiences harkened back to where you had actually experienced your sabbatical. So what did that look like, that process of going from I'm a project manager in these huge civil, you know, engineering projects to, hmm, I think I might, I think I might become a wine guy. Yeah, actually it was funny because uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain. Yes. So at the time there was a writer that was, uh, that just released the book, Matt Goulding, I don't know if you know him. He released a book about Italy. It's called, it's called uh, Pasta Pane Vino. So I was reading the book during January. And see, I'm, I'm going to do it the same itinerary as the book. And so I did it. I just, uh, it goes to Piemonte, to Bologna, to Puglia, which is a funny story that happened there. Parvaglioni was involved in that story. And then, but... Uh, at the same time as the book, I was willing to learn Italian. So I, 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 tried, to, I tried to school here for a month in Le Marche. Wow. So that's when I started to develop an idea. Well, I have to work with something related to Italy. But this, I, I still at the time, I didn't know why, what. So I so started you like were this. So you started following your love affair with Italy, yes. not wine. So yeah. it's okay. All right. Yeah. So that book from Matt Goulding, I always tell him, no, oh, this is, I just like acquaintances, I send messages to him because that book was very important to me. Mm. And then I, no, I, 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 I really pictured that, that, yes, that could be a way of life, but still, I don't know what, because how, how could I work with something with Italy? Because I'm not a, a Comex guy. I don't work with uh, Commercial, trading, yeah. commercial. So usually people with that area works are food related because food is very strong, Italian food in general in Brazil. But I started to, well, I, I, I started, I, I had a wine club with friends. We nice. call it Confraria in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met like every month. And I started to, well, to, to, to study a little bit more of wine, but still not relating one thing with another. So that was 2019. And you were studying in Brazil? Yeah. 2019, I really stopped. What changes everything was in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic. Because what happened is at the end of 2019, uh, when I got back from Europe, which was in June, I started to (laughs) do a lot of things like, oh, let's do a bread, a natural fermentation bread. Okay. Sort of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's. So Let's, you're exploring what your options are. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I was like, like hey, just chilling. You I know? can do anything. Yeah, yeah. What, what am because I going to be? In my deep uh, feeling inside, I was maybe thinking that I would be back with engineer at the end of the year. You know. Okay. Yeah, so you saw path. this. You saw this as this is my break. You know, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was but, maybe a little bit giving up the, the dream, but I, and that happened actually because at the end of 2019, my former boss called me back. And I accepted. It that did a, not last long. Well, what happened Thanks to is, pandemic. Yes, it was the December 2019 that I started to work back there. But it was his solar uh, company, solar mm-hmm. power plant company, which was interesting. Uh, 
a, a market that is really skyrocketing in the whole world, especially in Brazil. Big uh, solar. Uh, well, we're gonna plant. come. We're gonna come back. To yeah, all yeah. Of the, the solar and the, yeah, the yeah, sustainability yeah. stuff. You're not gonna get off the hook on that one. Yeah, no. So you um so you're so December 2019 you head back into civil engineering yeah again and that lasts what three months no actually no? no because what happened is I I entered this this, this uh, I got this job because I was thinking I'm gonna get all this money and invest in something different and then I decided no I'm gonna take a, a professional sommelier course. And then I, 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 I entered a professional sommelier course. Really? From nothing. Yeah. Wow. It was in January of 2020, which was pandemic was something that was only happening in China. What happened is then the pandemic starts and the course turns into a remote course at the yeah. beginning. So, but, and also what happened is that an office job became a remote job mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. So... It was something that was temporary because I was not interested at all in the company. Uh, because uh, I, I not only worked as a project manager, but also in the, in the back office also, uh, organizing things, the, the, the part of the company, you know, right. the, the accounting, the finance, the, 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 supply, the suppliers. So I, I, I know this. is so much more fun. Yeah, right? of course, yes. of course. And then I entered the sommelier course and I started to organize tastings with people, the whole pandemic remotely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I started, well, this is uh, an interesting option, but okay, I'm with this job and let's keep doing it. But the pandemic changed everything because I started to think about possibilities that were not available or possible before. Well, and especially because in some sense, we have an expression, baptism by fire, right? That you, the way that you learn is through the hardest way possible, which is you end up as a psalm yeah. at a moment when we're all embracing virtual wine events, exactly. right? But it, it also meant that when you were moving into wine, you were moving into the most expansive global moment that we've yes. that we've ever had in wine and we were all so reliant upon each other i think for sanity and for communication for yeah. for for community really so um yeah so probably a, a bit of an unexpected blessing i would think for, yeah, yeah yeah it was a very disruptive time people now cannot remember how it was but yeah there's some people that forgot what happened at the beginning because it was a lot of uncertainty mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. and, but what was a tragedy or uh, some moments of doubts or some moments for people really not knowing what to do and got desperate about it, mm -hmm. for others was an opportunity. Right. Because those disruptive moments like wars or pandemics historically helps to grow faster, to things go faster, change faster. So that for me was, uh, for, was interesting that moment because I'm a very cool guy. I like to, to stay at home, like chill, not cool, chill. And that and cool. Didn't, it's did, okay. We didn't can, affect I'll it. say uncool Sorry, too. didn't affect me at all. <laughs> stay at home the whole time, you know, yeah. because it's something that I like. I, I'm, I'm a Gemini, so I have both sides. You know, I love to travel, but at the same time, I love staying at home. 
I'm so, a Libra. I just have to have balance for the two of them. So I, I yeah. can do it. So I didn't had, have to give excuses to be at home at yeah. the time. So, yeah. And I, I took that time to study. So I always love to study. Mm -hmm. And I... So beyond the sommelier course, what did you study? Uh, I was studying a lot of things, really, really. Like so it, was, history, it wasn't just wine. Like it just was reading just books. Expanding from, your mind. Yeah, yeah. I love to, to read uh, behavioral economics. I love it. I love it. Well, that's why you and I get on. Daniel, I, Daniel I Kahneman, yeah. Dan Ariely, a lot of nice, amazing books. I did some recycling on project management also to learn mm -hmm. agile. That's incredible. Yeah. Really? And, uh, because we had a lot of time. Being at home, like I had to work, okay, but the extra time that you do not need to drive home, to, to the office and other things, you really cannot be out too much. So that, ha that helped. Yeah. And besides being a, an engineer, usually people are very like, uh, they really don't like art, history, geography, culture. Usually people in the, in the engineering side, don't like this stuff. Doesn't like, that. and I really loved it my whole my whole life. And I found there that I I should I, I could uh, study those things with wine, right? Which got me into more. So, uh, so when did you make the leap from sommelier to your next course of studies in wine? Well, after the the sommelier course, I decided to take the WCT. So I went straight to the third level, WCT3 in 2021. And then- You were allowed to. So see, in yeah. our market, we could skip the first one, but we weren't allowed to skip the second one. So you couldn't go straight into level yeah. three. So, okay, so you went straight into level three and you did that in Brazil? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did in Brazil. And I think this was beginning of 2021. And when uh, clubhouses- yeah, I remember that. All, all, the, all of the place. And was in Clubhouse that I knew all this Italian wine podcast. And oh, was it? Because, Italy. of course, because Stevie was super active was, on Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those, yeah. those rooms every day. Is Clubhouse still going? Yeah, I think I, I think only Stevie keeps her room in the clubhouse with the ambassador's corner. It is Stevie's clubhouse but now. Yeah, yeah. but first I I I I done the WCT three, okay, and then I I decided no, I'm going into the wine world for real. So I decided to go to diploma, the level four. And I, you did that. Uh, I started, yeah. And you did that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started the course. Um, and, and so I'm quite curious because, of course, I've been coming to Wine to Wine every year mm -hmm. for five years. I meet all of the, you know, or not all of, but I meet so many of the VIA participants in here. And I'm super impressed. Um, and, and I just want to say, I'm not just saying this because I'm at Wine to Wine. I'm actually really impressed with the level of support that you guys get from the organization. Yes. Because it does feel like I see the press releases, I see the news. I see the extent to which all of you are just welcomed so warmly into these spaces. Do you feel like that that experience of having been a part of a group that's so well-structured and well-supported has really, you know, changed your experience 
transitioning into wine, like, you know, becoming immersed in our community. Definitely, definitely. I think the VIA community, the, the program, the Venetian International Program, it's a huge step forward because, especially for, some, for someone like me that is transitioning career in the middle of a midlife crisis. So it's- You uh, were too young for that to be a yeah, midlife crisis. Too young but, to- Yeah, young. but I think it, it opened doors. You can meet a lot of people and can give you opportunities that are harder to find if you're not in an environment like that. Because right. you're so, now actually writing as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I work with Amanda Barnes. And she's one of the knowledgeable women in the wine industry. She's based in Mendoza. I became friends with her and I helped her with the Brazilian chapter in her book that mm. got a lot of awards last nice. year. I was so happy for her. She's amazing. She's so humble, a future master of wine. And I, I started to, to, to write for her site as an opportunity to, to be known, to get a, a little bit of authority. Oh, this guy knows the Brazilian market, so that's the guy to 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 find. Absolutely. So, and and you know? to build your own voice. And and I think one of the things that I learned when I started writing is to I mean, I'm I'm still not a great writer. I write marketing stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But um to learn what you your style is and, and to learn what your interests are mm -hmm. and to really like narrow down that niche, right? Exactly. Uh, what is it that interests me? I think so much of writing is more for us as the writers than it actually is for our readers because we're processing our thoughts mm -hmm. in order to make that happen. But you also now are importing and distributing. Do I have that right? Tell uh, me about the business venture in, in oh no, Brazil. Actually, what happened is when I started to, to, to do the diploma, one of our teachers is Rodrigo Lanari. He's uh, the country manager of wine intelligence in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And he also owns a company that is uh, named Winext that helps uh, uh, businesses outside Brazil to enter the Brazilian market. And I think Rodrigo is one of the best wine, prof wine uh, business professionals in Brazil. He really knows the market there. And I, I, I see him as a mentor in that because it's really, I really like it, the business side of things. So what are some of the challenges to entering the market? Well, I think Brazilian is really challenging because I think it's really hard for, especially for Italian wineries to enter Brazil because Italian wines in general in Brazil are not very known. Apart okay. from, yeah, Italia is, Italy is like the fifth place in the, in the importing in Brazil. So behind Portugal. Interesting. Portugal. Behind Portugal. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So first you've got that you just have to, even get the, the category or the sector yeah. of people more interested in it, people more aware of it. Um, and in terms of, I don't want you to give away all of the business advice, but um, for the Italian wine brands that are listening, I know that this is some of the things that you're talking about and learning about here. Uh, how, where do they even begin? Well, first of all, I think they, they really have to find the right partners in Brazil because Brazil is, in a way, it's like the U.S. is very big, so it's very regionalized. So the markets are different. The South market is different from Sao Paulo, it, which is the biggest market in Brazil, which is different from Rio, which is different for the Northeast. So 
you really have to find a partner in Brazil that will really help you there. You know, it's not only a, a guy. Oh, your wine is cheap. Let's right. Let's get in there and really. So due diligence on who your partner is. Like yeah. really properly say, is this the right person who can support my brand? Yeah. And my brand growth. Um, a quick question: Would you characterize the Brazilian wine consumer? And we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna make a gross generalization, but bear with me on this. Is it uh? more traditional market? Is it a more progressive, curious market? Like if we look at the wines that are popular in Brazil, mm -hmm. how would you categorize this? Well, I think the, 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 the popular wines in Brazil are the cheap wines. Are the <laughs> because, cheap wines. So yeah. It's, it's a price yeah, based yeah. In market. In general, yeah, in volume. But if you think about the fine wine, the, 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 the premium and the super premium, Brazil is very curious about wines. So that's something interesting about the Brazilian audience. Like they are really willing to try new things. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's that's very positive yeah, for brands yeah, who, yeah. Are, who are coming in, especially yeah. if they are in that premium category. Exactly. So exactly. beyond the due diligence of finding the right partners, um, I mean, do we have issues around exchange rate and around the economy and around the politics of that course. we have to yeah. navigate? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we are actually uh, facing an election transition in Brazil. I know. Like coming from a far right wing government for a centrist left program, uh, government. But I think economically wise, it will not change at all, you know. And I think the market uh, uh, noticed that. So, of course, people were uh, uh, waiting for the election to... to, to so there's been a Brazil. bit of a standstill while yeah, that was coming because yeah. they didn't know if it was going to continue far right. Yeah, it did but not. I was talking with Rodrigo last week and people are very optimistic about the, 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 the next three, four years in Brazil. Like uh, the numbers this year are good. Like beer started to, to, to raise again and uh, spirits and RTD. So all the drinks in general are... Are, 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 are getting, starting to pick back up. Yeah, 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 up. yeah. So um, just in wine, I, I can't help but reflect upon the work that you did in civil engineering for wind farms and for solar power. Um, is that something that you look at the wine industry through this lens of the work that you've done in renewable energy sources? Is this part of, you know, where your interest lies in wine? I think, yeah, because it's all uh, uh, being done by people. So I think the challenges are the same. Yeah. The challenge is communication is the same. Like the lack of communication in the engineer construction is that that generates all the problems. And I think in the wine business is the same. How so? In wine? And wine, like the, 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 like the lack of communication, like communicate properly your product is one thing. Or like uh, uh, when you are importing or bringing things here, culturally, other countries are different. So these things, you do not take this uh, seriously or properly and this will uh, make a problem in the future. Mm. So thinking in that way, the problems are really this, not the same, but similar in a way, you know. So, so you interesting and uh, you introduce an interesting topic that has to do with the cultures being different. Is the experience of 
selling wine to the Brazilian population? Is that culturally quite different? Are there things that brands who are going into Brazil culturally get wrong, be it in terms of language or presentation or approach? Yeah, maybe what happens is sometimes is uh, uh, the wine itself is different. Like what works in Europe do not will not work in Brazil. In a as flavor. in the actual flavor profile, a, a flavor profile exactly. And also the way you communicate with your partner in Brazil is different. Brazil Brazilians are more informal usually, and they don't like people like all the time there asking for things. You know, right and. and uh, sometimes in Europe, people are more formal and in Brazil are not like that. So it's a lot of things, you know, but I would start with the flavor profile is different. Brazilians Obviously, are sweet tooth. And, oh, uh, oh, that's super interesting. So in terms of if you're looking at the, the writing you're doing and, and everything that you've learned, what are some of the opportunities that you see? And it could be for Italian wine brands or it could be for any wine brands mm -hmm. going into Brazil, maybe untapped markets, maybe product development or mm -hmm. something that we call white space identification, which is where is there just nothing happening there, but there's definite room to tap in and grow. I think if I, if I could say about Brazil, it's like a child that you can teach anything. Because it's really, uh, uh, it's willing to learn about things, about new things, about trying new things. They are really, they really like Europe. Like they really like uh, foreigners in general. Really? So Brazilian people is very curious about those things. So I think it's a huge opportunity for, not only for Italian wines, but I think for wines in general. Because, and Brazilians love, one of the most popular things in Brazil is soap opera. Like people really, like the last novellas? chapter, yeah, it, there was, yeah. A, there was a, a soap opera uh, like a month ago called Pantanal, which is a place that is very wild in Brazil and etc. And I think the, 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 the country stopped to see the last, <gasps> the last chapter of the soap opera. So people in Brazil really love a good storytelling. So it's not about drink. But I think it's about the stories. About the stories. Exactly. I mean, we do, we do keep coming back to this time and yeah, time again. Uh, yeah, but is, it's for real. It's, it's tell a good, yeah. a good, intriguing, entertaining story. Yeah, so that a nice label with a guy or something that will, will uh, 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 point you to a story, a, a specific story. People will love that and try it. It's not, not don't have to be good, but. If it has, has this, it's... it's uh, uh, the markers of interest, if, yeah. if, if, it can, if it can draw them in. So in terms of your journey, because, I mean, it's been a bit of a whirlwind five years for you. Um, where, where are you going next with wine? What, what's on the agenda? Well, uh, I really want to establish myself in this wine business part. I really like this thing of different cultures, helping people. I think I'm, I'm really good with that, uh, to, to relate to people. I've always been in, with friendships, being extrovert. I, I'm an introvert guy. i really shy, but I like to yeah, relate to people. I sense that. I, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like that. And at the same time, I, I really like the educational part, like teaching people about wine. And I'm really starting to think about people that really don't drink wine at all. It's starting, the starters, not the people that are really into it, like yeah. a geek, you know? 
Yeah. I think this is a, a, a audience very interesting. It's uh, I, sometimes I, I do tastings and I invite friends that are really not wine drinkers, but they go there and they like the story, like the drink. Oh, this drink is so good. Yeah, it's a wine from Etna. So well, so much. I mean, this yeah. is something that, and I do work in digital, and everybody knows that. But for so many of us, our earliest joyful wine moments are because, just like you say, we were with somebody who was, come on, let's go. Yeah. We're going to do this thing. And we put our trust in them and we go for it. And so I, I still will always believe that it's the best way to grow brands. Yeah, yeah, always. definitely, definitely. Always. And I, I really want, uh, I want to work in, with those pets in my uh, professionally uh, educational, but with uh, people that are beginning in the wine world and with the, 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 the strate strategic the wine business side, you know, yeah. that is the, this, how could I sell in the, uh, to the client? not being with the client selling, of course, this is very important, but the strategic part, you know, how can you do it that in the better way? And what's so, interesting about it is that some things on strategy are quite the same, you know, that, that there are, there are certain um, steps that you take, certain requirements that you have, but the cultural part of it and the, what I call macro uh, environmental, you know, What's going on that impacts those places in the world are so unique. And it's really not possible for any one person or any one agency to be the expert at those. Yeah. So having, you know, in-market partners, having people who are on the ground who can actually help you work through that strategy and due diligence and business development is so important for basically not screwing up, you know, exactly. the, the number of brands that we see who either rely on their own bubble or they never actually get out into those spaces. And this is not exclusive to wine. We just see this all the time. We see this in tech and software and everything else where, yeah. you know, you haven't actually gone out into your market to sense check what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, so do you see yourself, uh, you know, actually kind of completing this cycle and going in and teaching things like the diploma and you're already the, the, uh, Italian wine ambassador and actually forwarding education through those channels, or do you see it as something more informal through tastings and events? No, I think, uh, in a way more formal. Mm -hmm. Okay. But at the same time, my idea, my initial idea, it's a little bit ambitious, but anyway, is try to build a, a Italian wine drinkers community in Brazil that now it's not formal, do not exist, you know. Right. Uh, try to, to replicate the model that Steve is doing here with the ambassadors, but with like create a, 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 a mass of mass critic, critic mass. I don't yeah, know. yeah, critical mass. Critical mass critical in Brazil mass. that, but did it, that this is really lacking in Brazil. Like there is a critical mass for Portuguese wine and there is no critical mass for Italian wine in Brazil. So that's your mission. Yeah. You're going to change that. Let's see if I can. I, it, I really believe of, I can. Instead of building bu buildings, you're going to build the communities. Yeah. Yeah. I think community is everything. And you start to replicate the model. And just uh, after the, the Italian wine ambassador, three or four people reached me to, oh, how you did it. How could I go? Because we have few ambassadors from Brazil. It's like five only. Oh, wow. So we can start a community and you can start to construct this there. Right. And those people can work with the trade and importantly, with the final consumer also. Absolutely. On both sides yeah, of it. To actually sides. tap into a fabulous market. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of opportunities. But of course, to start from zero is not easy. But well, 
Someone has to do it. Someone has to do it. Someone has to do it. Okay. So for everyone listening, how could they find you? Where are you online? Well, I am... uh, (laughs) I have an Instagram, a personal Instagram account. Also, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. You love LinkedIn, okay? Yeah, right? yeah. Right? People can reach me, Pablo Suarez Fernandez, there easily. And of Perfect. course, the, my contacts are with the SoundCloud and other things. But I am open to contacts. And so, just for anyone who wants to reach out, who yeah. actually wants to just learn more about the transition that you made of at course. a time when the world was was going mad, or how they can get involved with the work that you're doing with exactly. with, with Via and Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Just reach me. I'm very open to people. I like to meet people. To if people want to follow the same path, I'm open it. The there's there will be a via next year here in Verona, and also I think at the end of the year in the U.S. I don't know, maybe. But if people want to be mentored or really want to follow this path, just just That's give it a call. Awesome. Yeah, just Thank give you. it a shout out. Thank you so much. You know what I hear outside? Okay. I hear people drinking wine. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, let's I, go there. I think it's time to go drink some Italian yeah, wine. I, I agree. <laughs> All right, here we go. Thanks, Pablo. Thanks, Polly. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. And a great big thank you to Pablo for joining me today here at Wine to Wine. The Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with daily episodes. Tune in each day and discover all our different shows. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another look at the world of wine marketing. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.